from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! What's up? Good morning. It's Wednesday, May 27th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports. Chris, we're here to discuss today's new article that you wrote uh, titled, Stats Show Homegrown National Champions Are a Thing of the Past. I guess before we jump into that, how are you doing? Doing great, man. Uh, We're just kind of quarantining away in Austin. We finally got to go outside a little bit, so that was nice. Uh, We had some like quarter size hail the other day, which was weird, but finally able to go to parks and stuff. So you can't complain too much. Yeah. That Texas weather is unpredictable, but but speaking of Austin, we used the 2005 national champion, Texas Longhorns as a jumping off point for your story. Chris is sort of, all right, let's inspect how many out of state players that national champion had. And it wasn't many. And let's compare that to, the new era of college football, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, what LSU did in 2019. And it's, it's pretty drastic. Uh, when you looked at scholarship only signees on that Texas team, just seven of their 78 scholarship roster additions from the 0205 cycles came from out of state. Seven of 78. And then, Chris, you flipped, you flipped it 10 years later. Clemson's 2016 national title team featured 76 out-of-state players on its roster. Alabama has the same kind of number for its national championship teams of the 2000s. And it's, I think it's, it's impossible to argue the, the point, Chris, that yes, the national title teams are recruiting nationally. Yeah, no doubt. And I think you and I are both super familiar with that 2005 Texas team. We watched that growing up. And it's like looking back at the roster, not only is it staggering how much NFL talent there was, it's just every single key player on that team, like almost to the man, was a Texan. And we always hear that like growing up and like following recruiting that you have to win your state first. And in order to kind of win national championships, you have to build from within. You have to get the best players from your state. And to an extent, that's correct. But it's kind of crazy how much it's changed since 2005 in terms of how roster building strategies have shifted. That Texas team that Mac Brown put together was, as you said, almost entirely Texan. The 2003 and 2004 classes for Texas not have a single out-of-state player on the roster. Now we're at the point for like a Clemson, for example, and obviously the situations are a little different. Clemson draws from a state, South Carolina, that has significantly fewer FBS players than Texas does. But it's almost, it's just, it's a staggering statistic to consider essentially seven players on Texas's roster out of state and Clemson is rocking 78 or so every four years, kind of when they bring in their classes. And I think it just kind of shows the way you go about building championship rosters has changed over time simply because, and I think we can talk about this a little bit more, but not only do schools have more access to players and information, thanks to things like huddle, thanks to things like social media, thanks to scouting services that are out there, like tracking football, which 24 seven sports is partnered with, but also 
players have more access to programs. Uh, they can play Madden with coaches online. They watch them on TV every weekend. Like no longer, if you live in California, can you not watch an LSU game? You can watch all of them every season. And I think those factors have kind of combined to make an environment in which schools and players are more easily able to leave their home states to go play for the biggest contenders out there. Yeah, Steve Wildfong, you quoted him in your piece. He said, Notre Dame used to be the only national brand. Now everybody's on national television. You know, Notre Dame probably wasn't the only national brand. Uh, Nebraska comes to mind when we think about how TV has changed recruiting. But certainly, you're in California, and you can watch anybody you want. Um, and real quick, and I just want to get this out of the way because people will use this as a counterpoint. They'll say, well, Chris and Trey, the national champions are not who they used to be. It's not Florida anymore. It's not USC. It's not Texas. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, yeah, sure, Ohio State's in there and, and Florida State in 2013, but what do you expect Clemson to do? What do you even expect Alabama to do? But my, my counterpoint to that would be Georgia is considered, the state of Georgia is considered in the big four of producing college football talent. And in 2020, the Georgia Bulldogs signed the number one class. Or, or was that it, it 20? Yeah, 2020. They signed the number one class. And, and that's a stacked state for talent. And 17 of Georgia's 25 signees came from out of state. So, so don't tell me this is just about, oh, you got a small school in South Carolina winning national champions. It's, it's changing the calculus. You've got Georgia. Again, 17 of their 25 signees in one year are out of state. Look at Ohio State. Ohio is rich with talent. And Ohio is setting up shop in Texas and is recruiting gangbusters in Florida and California. And it's just, I think that's the counter to it. It's, it's, it's not so much as, oh, well, the teams that are winning national titles just happen to be in states that aren't as big of talent drivers as the others. It's no, the teams that are winning national titles are winning national titles because they're recruiting nationally. Yeah. And it's, it's not even just that. So like to kind of eliminate some of those biases that go with kind of states producing different levels of talent. I tried to kind of look at how teams recruit regionally and regionally is obviously subjective. Regions are larger than what I considered, but essentially what I did was I took every national champion, looked at their previous four recruiting cycles, but also not only in-state recruits, I looked at the states that border uh, those programs. So for Alabama, for instance, like Alabama is like a football craze state, but it's not going to produce as many FBS prospects on average as Florida, but Alabama does have the ability to go to Alabama or to have the ability to go to Georgia and Florida every year, bordering states along with Louisiana and Mississippi and kind of take their pick. And when you kind of consider that for Clemson, the um, kind of you add uh, Georgia, you add Virginia, the DMV is one of the most uh, or talent heavy areas in the country you got to get a better sense of how these teams are recruiting when you push things outward. And you can follow Alabama's kind of change over time. For example, only 18.3% of its signees in 2009, so that would be your 2006 to 2009 classes, were from outside that bordering area of Alabama. When you flash forward to their 2017 national championship team, that number 
doubled to 36.2%. So Alabama, over time, every national championship saw that number jump a little, and it doubled in essentially 10 years. So not only is Nick Saban recruiting out of Alabama more frequently, he's recruiting outside his geographic footprint more often. He's going to places like California. He's going to places like Texas. He's going into the Northeast and New Jersey to get guys like Mika Fitzpatrick. Like recruiting nationally, even for the schools that don't produce a ton of those guys has seen a dramatic uptick over time. Is the, the, um, we've seen in several years and it's not as loud anymore, but when a school like a Texas or a Texas A&M saw this with Charlie Strong, Tom Herman and Jimbo Fisher, they are met with this resistance of the high school coaching base. If they try to go out of state, and I, I wonder, you've co- you covered Texas for years, Chris. I, I believe you, you kind of know this storyline well is, oh, Tom Herman recruits California. He's given up on the players in state. Charlie Strong, how dare he sign four players from Florida in one class? He, he doesn't care about the Texas high school prospects. And then even Jimbo Fisher had the same issue too. Uh, do, you, do you sense that, first of all, it's kind of a ridiculous statement for for the for the high school coaches in a certain state and the trainers to make but do you sense that 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 argument is growing a little bit quieter yeah i think it's certainly a little quieter but i would say especially in a state like texas and i think texas is pretty unique i florida and california produce similar numbers but those states don't quite kind of have the high school coaching network and the importance of high school coaching that those other two do or as Texas does. And I still think you're going to hear those complaints, but I actually, I brought this point up to Steve and he made a great point. He was still arguing that Texas, if it stayed in state could win national championships. The problem is they just haven't been getting the right guys. And he was like, what if JK Dobbins, JT Barrett, Jeffrey Okuda had instead of going to Ohio state had stayed in Texas. And there are dozens of examples like that for the in-state programs. And he made that point kind of pushing that, but he also, kind of said like you just look at the numbers and you look at who's winning championships and if you're a high school coach you kind of have to shut up because just like the college coaches you can turn on the tape and watch other guys and you'll understand that that signee that they took from Arizona like Bijan Robinson for example is better than the running back that Texas was could could have potentially offered from your state so it is a balance but I I do think you're going to see that narrative quieted certainly but you're still going to see it pop up at a place like Texas especially for new coaches just because of how important not only relationship building is in the state, but just recruiting it as a whole, because if you're Texas and you're not like, you're still going to recruit nationally to get certain pieces, but if you're not basing your roster out of the most talented state in the country to do so, you're going to be in trouble over the long term. So I, I just think there's a different formula for every program, but as a whole, we're seeing kind of national recruiting spark across the country. Yeah. And I think it's interesting how the national recruiting teams have almost set up pipelines in certain States. 10 years ago, a kid growing up in Austin, I, I, you know, apologize to people out there who don't want to listen to us talk about Texas. A kid growing up in Austin would just be, he would just go to Texas. There'd be no question about it. And okay. So two years ago, Garrett Wilson, this five-star kid from Lake Travis high school, he goes to Ohio state. Or there's, I saw today, Chris, there's a kid from another Austin area high school, Dell Valley, class of 2022 kid. Texas isn't even on his top five warm list on 24-7 Sports' profile. Clemson, 
Alabama, Ohio State. And it's you almost wonder as, as those programs, those those national powerhouses creep into certain parts or certain states, if there's if there's any recovering for it from it for the for the local schools. And you're seeing that in California too. You you've seen this West Coast exodus for years now. And USC has totally lost, in my opinion, any momentum it had from the Pete Carroll era. These kids are too young to remember that. Uh, you win a national title, you get an immediate boost in recruiting the next year. You probably get several years of, of glory and of pointing to this and look at us for, for what we did here. They've lost all of that. So, so the West Coast is kind of kaput in, in this narrative. Texas and Texas A&M are starting to kind of get kaput. Florida is a totally different story where Florida, Florida State, Miami are for the most part unable to lock down their state and they're getting absolutely raided. And we're now seeing a situation where five teams, five probably, are are getting whatever they want, wherever they want, and the local teams, for the most part, can do nothing about it. Yeah, no doubt. I remember I was walking with Garrett Wilson at Lake Travis High School um, maybe two years ago, probably a couple months before the start of his senior season. And he was kind of walking me through his decision to go Ohio State over Texas. And at the end of the day, he was like, I love Texas. He was really close with Drew Maringer, the wide receiver coach there at the time. He liked the idea of staying home. But at the end of the day, when he looked at not only not only wins and losses on the field, and he wanted to compete for a national championship, when he looked at draft production, like he essentially just put it this way, like you can't, like when you look at these numbers and you look at the production and you look at the ability to win, you can't justify for yourself staying at home just to stay at home when you're not winning. And I think those situations can flip if those schools turn it on. I think we're seeing Florida recruit in-state better than they have the last couple of years because Florida's winning right now. I think if Texas starts winning again, they'll start kind of winning the majority of those battles. But kids see it every day. And those five schools you mentioned, Clemson, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, have something to sell because they've been winning on the field. And kids from all across the country see that if they go to those schools, not only are they going to have the ability to compete for a national championship every year, they're more than likely than not going to go to the NFL draft and be successful and kind of go where they want to go. And when schools from out of state can promise that, the kind of appeal of staying home kind of, it means a little less when you can't reach your goals as easily. And I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing that from the player side for sure. The College Football Daily will be right back. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. I think it's interesting moving on a bit. LSU 2019 national title. Sure. Joe Burrow kid from Ohio steals the show, but Chris, you listed their percent of out of region signees is is 28.6. So that's the lowest since 2013 Florida state and LSU. Certainly look at the main players on that title team. Jamar chase, Terrace Marshall, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Patrick queen, Derek Stingley. Those kids are Louisianans. I don't need, and, and, and it's interesting too. We always talk about, oh, LSU, 
they they can kind of get schooled sometimes by Nick Saban when Nick Saban wants a guy from LSU. And there's a few cases that you can cherry pick over the years. But for the most part, it looks like LSU is equipped to to win national titles with a lot of Louisiana players. And and what do you think can be credited to that? It's it's you know the only school in the state probably. Uh, there's a, a sense of pride uh, for Louisiana football. From kids from that state, I think I, I think you can strongly argue that LSU's formula this past season is the strongest, especially if you're in a like the strongest and most sustainable. Especially if you're in a state like Louisiana that produces a high number of picks every year to build national champions. They had the kind of base that you were talking about. All three of their star receivers were from Louisiana. Most of them from about an hour away from Baton Rouge. Derek Stingley is obviously from. Uh, the area, as you said, and quite a few of their other players, but then they supplemented that with pieces they needed. In that case, it was bringing in a quarterback like Joe Burrow as a transfer, and they have some players along the offensive and defensive line that certainly weren't from the state. But I think when you can kind of build that base and cherry-pick from the rest of the country, for example, LSU's top two signees from the 2020 class were Rick Gilbert from Georgia and Elias Ricks from, he's from California, but he went to IMG Academy for his senior year. We're both out-of-state players. But if you can make a base out of those Louisiana kids and have that be kind of the glue of your roster and then sprinkle in some of those elite players from across the country, I think that's the best way to build a champion. And that's what Ed Orgeron was able to do the last couple of years with his recruiting. And that's what kind of still seems to be the game plan moving forward. And I think at least if Texas and Florida and USC get back into contention soon, if we see that that's going to kind of be the formula for those schools moving forward and kind of how they go about winning championships, Alabama, Clemson, those schools, I think it's kind of sailed. They're not going to take the seventh best player in Alabama when they can go to Michigan and take their number one player every cycle. It's just not going to happen. They're going to sacrifice something, but for those other schools in those talent-rich areas, I think there is an opportunity for us to kind of see a slightly hybrid model for what Texas did in 2005 and kind of applying that to the modern era for sure. I'm going to be interested to see if this new off-season era of the coronavirus and the, the Zoom calls and the virtual aspect that schools are having to take, I wonder, and I think a debate could be had on either side, does it improve a school's chances of keeping a kid in state or will the lessons and the practices that everybody's learned this off season just further help teams recruit nationally when it first started i thought it would for sure benefit the schools who had a close proximity to to the, the five star down the road right but i almost wonder now and I, I would love for you to disagree with me if you do if the the okay for instance let's say let's say ohio state has spent now months honing how to put on a virtual visit how to show kids what columbus has to offer without having them there and now you can do that just more than once on an official visit or you know twice again on an unofficial the practices honed there i feel like location and travel and proximity to your hometown is almost erased at this point. I think it's a little bit of both. I, I really do still think parents have an outsized kind of impact on a lot of recruitments. I'm not saying all of them, but what your mom wants really matters. And most parents, and I would say the large, most, 
by saying like 80 to 90% of them want to be within driving range of seeing their kid play in college. It's not always going to happen, but I think that still matters. And especially during this time when you're not allowed to take visits and things are so uncertain, I think being close to home matters. But on the other side of that, you make a great point with the virtual visits and kind of tailoring their message to out-of-state kids in the future and potentially using this as yet another avenue to kind of attack a prospect. They might only get on campus one time. You get a kid on campus one time for their OB and that's it. Maybe in the future, as you said, they can do three or four unofficial visits virtually or do approaches like that to kind of bring them into the fold. But kind of on that note, I would say the elite schools like Ohio State and Alabama are always going to be able to do that. Those brands, as we talked about, are always going to matter. I don't know if it's going to work as well for Virginia Tech or for uh, Duke if they're trying to talk to an out-of-state kid. I think it's I think it's going to be pretty situational. And for the most part, I think the Blue Bloods who haven't been as successful recently are still going to be able to take advantage of their name recognition in their region to kind of take some of those kids they might otherwise lose to out-of-state schools during this time, simply because there is, no matter what you say, there's going to be a comfort to being within your region or your home state, even within this area of national recruiting, at least in my opinion. All right, good stuff from Chris Hummer. You can check out his article at 247sports.com. I'm going to also make sure that the link is included in today's show notes so you can guys... You guys can just click it there. Leave us a five-star rating. We'd love that. It helps increase our visibility. It helps us get more listeners, which is obviously vital. And leave us a review in the Apple Podcast section too. We've taken a lot of your ideas so far and turned them into episodes. And we're going to keep on doing that. Chris, thanks for dropping by. Look forward to more of this. Um, Call your shot though real quick before we get out. LSU had 28%. 28.6%, as mentioned, uh, of out-of-region signees on its national title team. Does the next team that wins national title have more or less? More. More. I, right now, Alabama is my, my preseason pick right now for a national championship, and that number will be significantly higher. I think Alabama might be the first team in the 40 percentile if they win the national championship. Would Clemson be in there too? I th- yeah, I would imagine so after this last class. I don't, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I can't imagine they signed more than two players from South Carolina last cycle. Well, we'll give you a uh, an assignment. You can go look into Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, maybe even Georgia. Oh, maybe by Florida. the way, before I leave, yeah. Ohio yeah. State's numbers are crazy out of region. Like Urban Meyer's final class, the 2018 class, had six of 26 players just being from the region. So wow. like Urban Meyer's always pushed the boundaries there, and I think you've seen Ryan Day have a continuation of that. And I think that's a huge reason why, despite being in a state, Ohio, that doesn't produce as much as the other states, that Ohio State's consistently in the top five in terms of recruiting. They've really they've really pushed the boundaries in terms of national recruiting. All right, slam the over on 28.6 then. That's going to do it for today's episode. For Chris Hummer, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. We will catch you guys next time on the College Football Daily.
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.